Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the Press Box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a port of party, right? True. That's not a great day for you. With Grainy and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks crew took a dump in the porta pipe. Like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want, we think we're negative. But we got to draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta pipe. No. At that point, I draw the line. Don't draw the line at much. On the press box, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, it said, Tyler and Jared, we have reached another end of the week. The first bite. Will Nathan Peterman throw 30 more preseason passes this weekend? Can you see if Peterman looked around because it's the last exhibition game? Deuce Gruden's the fullback. <laughs> would that be would that be weird? Because I don't even know if I'd play Alec Engel. They at have this to point. protect Alec Engel so yes, much. Yes, that Deuce yes. Gruden's lining up. Yeah, you have to protect everybody. It's like Deucer, get in there, just an, block somebody. An emergency game day signing by the Raiders. Yeah. Ah, Deuce Gruden suiting up at fullback for us. I think Mariota plays. What do you think? You think so? I think so. Is like he a healthy? Series? No, well, that nobody knows that because the way again the way Gruden what you have. the way Gruden described him uh, after the last game was that Mariota could play, but Mariota could not play in the fashion that Mar- Marcus Mariota would play in, and that he can't run around as well. That if he's going to play, he would just sort of be a strictly drop back passer. So I, I guess he could be healed uh, back to a hundred percent since then, since last weekend. But I don't know if Mariota's not 100%, you're not putting him out there in this game. No, so you're not putting him out if he's not 100%. You can't tell in these again. Well, camp ended yesterday officially in terms of what the media can watch. So starting today, uh it'll be it'll be fun to go down there for 20 minutes. <laughs> what do you get to see in those 20 You get minutes? to see the opening uh which is literally <laughs> glorified stretching and a few drills that are pretty much against air and you're just the um cars throwing bombs that are net is picking off and people thinks he's going to be an all pro and car is throwing bombs and rugs is like catching 70 yards. People think he's going to go for a thousand yards. Other than that, you don't really, and once starting today, you don't see anything. Then you are shuttled back to the media room and they say, John Gruden, will see you in two hours. Like a doctor's visit in, in, in especially in Las Vegas, you go and sign in at seven 30 and at 10 o'clock, Mr. Jones, the doctor will see you now. So that's kind of what it, what begins today. Oh, poor Raiders media. It's a tough life. I know, it's a tough life, man. It's a tough, it's a tough life. life. So I just, they play the 49ers on Sunday. We haven't seen Derek Carr the entire preseason. I doubt we see him no. on Sunday. We haven't seen Marcus Mariota the entire preseason. I doubt we see him on Sunday. It's going to be another set of games where Jonathan Abram is Alex Leatherwood. Those are the most noteworthy players that we see. Are we even going to see them? Are we convinced we're going to see them? Maybe Leatherwood. I don't know. Maybe he needs as many reps as they as he can get. It was funny yesterday, the... Um, Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, and maybe you can tell me who you think it's going to be. He said two positions I thought were very interesting that, um, let's say, insinuated someone's going to get cut that you didn't think would or a good. You know, the way he put it is a really good player might not make it. And the two positions were wide receiver and offensive line, which to me was interesting on the offensive line because the entire narrative in the offseason was we were going to rebuild the offensive line. We need quality depth at the offensive line. But though, if you listen to Greg Olson yesterday, you kind of walked away saying, did he just insinuate someone's getting cut from the offensive line that doesn't, that you didn't think so? I don't know where, I mean, what's the, the cut down is 
I'm sure next week to uh, the, the final roster. Is it the, next week or the week well, after? Well, maybe the week after. It was 80 this week, so you usually wait two weeks, so it's probably the week after. So Jared Jones-Smith. Oh, poor back Jared on the street. Oh, God, if he's got back in the street, that wouldn't be good. Here's the thing with the offensive line, though. Like, outside of the starters, I wouldn't be too surprised if any of them got cut. Like, are we going to be that surprised if Jared Jones-Smith or Patrick Omame or Lester Cotton gets cut? I mean, there's just, as far as backups go, it's, I don't, none of it, like we talked about it earlier this week, the depth they have at the offensive line is potentially going to be an issue for this team. If they run into whatever injuries, if incognito can't play in week one, they're going to have to have this depth tested that's never been tested before. So, but I wouldn't be too surprised. The wide receiver one I thought was interesting because does that, do you think like Willie Sneed could get cut? Do you think John Brown? Because those are two guys that have played in the preseason. Like the Raiders have their wide receiver position based on who's played in the preseason. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renfro are the starting three wide receivers. And then John Brown and Willie Sneed, the two veterans they brought in, plus you can throw Zay Jones in there who's on the team last year. Those three guys have played in the preseason. So that would suggest those three guys are not necessarily safe when it comes to roster cut down. So I'm that that was the one that jumped out to me was, are they going to take somebody like Dylan Stoner or DJ Turner or Keelan Doss over John Brown or Willie Sneed or Zay Jones? Well, don't sleep on Zay Jones. I don't know if that guy's getting cut back to real quick back to the office line. The only guy, the only backup I would be surprised at is Nick Martin only because I don't know if you can really sit there and say, Oh, Andre James, he, he's going to be great. You don't really know. And Nick Martin has played a ton in the NFL as center at center. So yeah, I'd agree. Anyone else, uh, could get cut, yeah. but Nick Martin's a hard thing. I'm not saying Nick Martin's great. I'm just saying when he's played that many games in the NFL center and the guy you're starting has never been a center, they're like, eh, he's a tough one to cut. Um, Willie Sneed, I see Willie Sneed, yeah. I mean, and you could see him taking, uh, you know, some of the some of the third stringers over a second stringer. Yeah, I mean, Zay Jones we make fun of, but that's, I mean, Gruden's talked so much about him this camp, it'd be <laughs> weird if that guy got cut. Um but yeah, I think I think in two weeks, whenever Gruden Gruden tends to make some of these decisions before the deadlines, he's he 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 gets down to his numbers a couple days beforehand. So I guess I won't be surprised at anything beyond the starters, and I I would be surprised on Zay Jones not to make fun of it, but he's talked about him so much, and I think he's played well in the preseason. To you know, John Brown, they always talk about the speed. Gruden loves speed. Wait, can you cut the guy that you've been calling smoker? No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. can you? You call them smoke Is that like against the rules? It sounds like it is. <laughs> it's against the rules. You can't give guys nicknames and then no. cut them. There's no chance someone's going to say smoker bring your playbook. <laughs> I, I just can't see the smoker bringing his playbook. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I mean, Greg Olson in, gives good quotes. He's fine. I thought yesterday he put a few things out there that made you shake your head. and like He made you think yesterday. A lot of times court, those coordinators will make you think they just kind of answer the question straightforward. They don't, they're not going to give you anything. They're not going to say anything really um, of substance, even though they talk for a long time. But I thought yesterday, I thought you think you saw the same thing in the quotes where you're like, oh, that's interesting. There might be some names that get moved here that no one thought would get moved. Yeah, so we'll see what they cut down. I've got a fun stat for you from Scott Kazmer. This is most pass attempts without playing a playoff game in NFL history. Number one is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has thrown over 5,000 passes, has yet to play in an NFL playoff game. Whoever the hell Norm Sneed is, is second on this list with 4,353 career passes, but zero playoff appearances. And number three on the list is Derek Carr. 
3,830 career pass attempts, zero playoff appearances for Derek Carr. He beats out Archie Manning, beats out Sam Bradford. A couple things stand out. I forgot the fact that Archie Manning never played in a playoff yeah. game. I thought that was, was. I think that's very weird. Horrific teams. I yeah. think his entire NFL. I think that's career. actually pretty weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know the second. I might as well know Jeff Spicoli over the Norm second Sneed? guy. No I idea. have no clue who that person is. You guys could have told me that was some Italian. You could have. It was the Italian whatever. surfer because you think the other guy's the Italian <laughs> cop and the cop arrested the surfer. All right. So best guess. Lions quarterback in the eighties is that is that does everyone feel confident in that just that's as a fine because I've never heard of that guy with what Norm Sneed yeah, yeah. Norm Sneed. no that sounds like eighteen hundreds Norm <laughs> Norm Van Brocklin was the yeah. was around in the fifties so. when when was like the first years of the NFL I'm go this guy was in the first like uh, decade well, or okay the, but that's added, a lot of pass attempts and you're talking that's, about that's a sport that's it a might be point. it yeah, might be the fair. early forties when they actually started to wear helmets. <laughs> Norm was the first person yes. sized for a helmet in 1943. And the only reason I know that is I was writing a column last night, and I actually looked that up. It was very strange that we're not talking about this. It was 1943 when they added the helmets, I believe. So Norm was one of those. The only Norm I knew before this, and not, well, Tyler's not going to know this. There's no chance. Have you heard of the TV show Cheers? Eh, yeah. Okay. It exists. Right, one of the characters was Norm. And it really, well, you said Norm Van Brocklin. I had heard of him. I, I knew who that was. But before you said that, I just thought it was Norm from Cheers. Okay. Which it could have been. Norm Sneed was drafted in the first round of the 1961 NFL draft oh. and the fifth round of the 1961 <laughs> AFL draft. Oh, way after pick? the helmets were introduced. <laughs> he was he was um he played for the Washington football team for like three years. I believe got cut. Played for the Philadelphia Eagles for several years, then got cut. This looks this seems like a guy that just like he's Chase Daniel. 1943 was football, obviously. So 60, did you say 61 uh -huh. in the NFL and then 63 in the AFL? 61 in the AFL, too. Uh, wow. Norm. It was Double solid. draft pick. Huh? Double draft pick. Yeah. Nobody these days is getting drafted in both the NFL and the AFL. That would be hard. That would be difficult <laughs> to do. How much confidence would you have to have if you were starting in a football league right now and you're like, we'll also have a draft? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not well. I mean, you know, Derek Carr did make the playoffs. He got hurt, so that was a uh, that was a uh, too bad for him. Uh, obviously, he would have liked to play in that game and um, not have a uh, was it was it Connor Cook? Yeah, who rolled in that day? Yes, Houston, yeah, I Connor have now Cook. thoroughly confused myself with Case Cookus since they had him around, and I don't know the difference between Case Cookus and Connor Cook. I'm pretty sure or the Norm same or Norm <laughs> or Norm. Scene. You don't they know. Might we don't know all the be the same person. Uh, but yes, that is. Did you know that Archie Manning threw almost 50 more interceptions than touchdowns in his career? Did not know that. He was not very good. And now you should know this. Did, were there bowl games back then? Did Archie Manning play? You should know that. What, when he was at Ole Miss? Yeah. yeah. They, they actually won when he was at Ole Miss. Okay. All right. one, one of the big claims to fame is that Ole Miss beat Alabama with Archie Manning in like the first nationally televised college football game. And he right. had like 400 total yards in the that The problem game. is the Alabama quarterback was named Norm, and that guy <laughs> couldn't play. So Although he could play a little because he was the number one draft pick in like six leagues. Norm and Archie. <laughs> wow. Derek Carr's number three on that list? Yep, he's behind Ryan I mean, Fitzpatrick. And I guess it shouldn't be too surprising because the offense is nowadays, so he's right. going to throw a throw lot more a lot passes more. than Norm did. But, yes. I mean, it's still an interesting stat. You throw a lot more, and... 
he hasn't played in one. It's like right. it's like it's why Fitzpatrick is number one on the list because. Oh. Well, it also helps that Fitzpatrick probably goes out there every game and goes, nah, nah, we're not running that. I'm going to throw it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Fitzpatrick's calling his own plays. He doesn't care what they're calling. He's thrown 1,200 more passes than Derek Carr. He's older. He's old. He's been in he's the league He's old longer, in terms of in all, the game, all the teams he's played for. Yeah. 1,200 more passes. And he hasn't been the guaranteed starter of a team his entire career like Derek Ever. Carr has. And then he just assumes, yeah. he, and then eventually they go through camps like, yeah, this guy's yeah. starting. It's like, I'm starting again? Because like Carr won the job his rookie season, but since then he hasn't had anything close to no. a quarterback battle. It, it the closest have... he's come is Tom Brady in the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> That's the closest he's come to like losing his job. <laughs> True. <laughs> who, who, who's come close to him other than Brady with a Raiders uniform on like, in the front page of the sports section? It conceivably could have happened last year, but Mariota wasn't healthy the entire right. preseason. Right. And hell, Mariota hasn't been healthy this preseason either. So I, I think he, he, won, he won a job his rookie year. Like he had a quarterback battle his rookie year, but since then... He's been the unquestioned starter of a team that's been the team has been once, but he has not been to the playoffs for now eight going into his eight season once in eighteen years. Yeah, it's not great. That's a brutal record. That's that's an absolutely brutal record given the parity of the NFL, right? right? It's you. I mean, it's, there's not a significant difference. I mean, there's yeah, there's some really bad teams. I get that, but the parity that's what they've always preached and what you know back in the day. That's what Tagliabue wanted and all these commissioners. As you you know, you went beyond Tagliabue's like, oh, well, parity, parity, parity is the best thing. When you've been one in 18 years in a league of parity, that's not good. I mean, you know, the cliche is what's the cliche? You know, much easier to go 0 and 16 than 16 and 0. Yes, it, it just is. I mean, it, 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 you know. Oh, excuse me. I, I think that's reversed. Much easier to go sixteen. No, you you to go zero and sixteen in that league. I mean, it's so uh, absolutely impossible. The league's just not that good. I think it's the Sacramento Kings currently have the longest playoff drought of our major sports, right. and it's it was two thousand six. I think is the last time they went. Which that's amazing that you can't get like the eighth seed. Eight teams, eight of fifteen, make it in the West every year, and the Kings haven't been since two thousand and six. Well, and now it seems to be even worse because can't you get the seven, eight, nine, ten? <laughs> you can get the nine, ten, and you get the least, nine, ten. At least get a play-in game appearance, <laughs> but they're not even getting that anytime soon. And that was, and like two thousand six, that was the end of like the Brad Miller, Peja Stojakovic, Vlade Divac teams who like yeah. were legitimate contenders, and then since then haven't even been back to the playoffs. Are you saying the last was the were the last times like when Weber played against the Lakers in the playoffs? I think so. Yeah, I mean that was the early that was the Adam mid two thousands, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, wow, that's amazing. Right, that they haven't had a single team competent enough to make the playoffs. Not even I, contend, just get there. Because you're get in the lottery every the year. Eventually, you're right. going to get some players. You think so? You think so? You think you'd land on one of these really? You think you'd? Oh, we got a Giannis one time. Oh, right. we drafted Jokic one time, right. but nope, haven't hit on one yet. My favorite thing about those teams is to get up for big games. Vladi Divac would t- would like give up smoking for like a week. <laughs> He's very like excited. if he knew the Lakers were coming, he'd go, "All right, I'm gonna stop smoking for a week. Get my conditioning back up." Here, here were the five leading scorers the last time the Kings were in the playoffs: Mike Bibby, mm-hmm. oh God, Ron Artest, mm-hmm. Peja Stojakovic, Brad Miller, and Bonzi Wells. Bonzi Wells. That's the last time. So they so after the Divac Chris Weber teams, they did have at least another season or two where they were competent. But since then, absolutely nothing. Mike Bibby. On our test. Mike Bibby. To go from the documentary I saw the other night about the malice to that. 
Man. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights and grade their offseason. At what point do you have to sort of transition here from the spirited quarterback competition to having a starter, giving them the majority of the reps, and getting them prepared for Miami and to be the starter throughout the rest of the year? Yeah, I don't have a timetable on that, Chris, so can't can't tell you. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. He got bored halfway through that, that question. Could we play entire Bill Belichick press conferences and not fill an entire segment on this show? I mean, I want, for the sake of it, for uh, the nice PR people out at the Raiders, I want it to be Belichick because what takes usually an hour and a half to transcribe would take about six and a half minutes. <laughs> so, like, we'd have the quote well, before would... before we left the room. Usually you drive home and they're almost there, but they're not there. They'd be handing us the quotes as we walked out of the you, meeting room to go to our car. You wouldn't need it. You'd be like, I mean, oh, yeah, he said no. Yes, exactly. I don't care about that. <laughs> you could actually make the quotes up like, yeah, I could see him saying that. Uh, all right. So go to LVSportsNetwork.com and find the Star is Born logo. Middle of the screen when you go to LVSportsNetwork.com. And there you can vote on who you want to hear on Raider Nation Radio in the mornings with Clay Baker on the morning tailgate. We have seven finalists. Their videos are posted. You can watch them and decide who actually sounds good, who you think you want to listen to. I think we've had some ballot stuffing, Ed, because yesterday the vote oh, totals. It was 15, right, well, yesterday? Well, the vote totals is like 285 was Matty G was out in front at 285. He's now got 446. Oh, Matty, come but on. But also James, who was behind him, has 411. So both of them had like oh, 150, no. 170 votes yesterday. This is obviously you're clicking you're clicking who you think is good. Yeah, there's a little oh. heart. You click the heart, and that counts as a vote. That's not good. But Maddie you can't, G. like, you, you vote, and then if you go back to the website, it doesn't let you vote again. No, it's like I think like maybe a, you could go to a different browser. It might let you this vote isn't a Major League Baseball All-Star game right. where my 78th time <laughs> I have voted for this. So we had, we like, they like, we like doubled the amount of votes in this thing yesterday. So I don't know, Maddie. Come on, stuffing the ballots <laughs> over here. Come on, Maddie. But they are they are blowing it away because third place is Ramon with 115. So he's about three. Okay, behind. if we get him Monday and Ramon's like a 786, <laughs> then we know people are doing the uh, stuffing the ballots. Do we have any like favorites here? Or are we just like I think we, Maddie G's kind of been in? He's been in you know it's out been, front. It's been Matt G and James O. They've been one two pretty much this entire way. Matty G's kind of like fake horse on his best day. He is. I've Who? listened to well, fake horse on his best day finishes last. So <laughs> that would be that would be that would be James right now. Okay, James, James is fake S horse. <laughs> is fake horse right now. But uh, I've listened to the Matt G one and the James O one. And did you vote? Uh, I no, I didn't. Should I vote for one of them? Absolutely. All right. Who should I vote for? Well, the guy in second, so you can, we can have like a runoff at the All end, right. and they have to do a second video. Oh no, no. I see. What I want to do is I want us to like. Actively oh, sabotage Clay by getting the guy in last place on the air with him. Oh wait, we no. should have like we should have installed a ringer. Yes, exactly. What did we do here? You can vote for multiple people. What? That seems that would seem to defeat the that point of your that, vote. That, that, no wonder that, these guys are gaining one hundred and fifty votes three over twenty-four. Three people? I think I just voted for three different people. Oh. I just started clicking the hearts, and they, they kept <laughs> popping up. So I think I just voted for three people. I'm not 100% sure so, here. Yeah, so four the, people. That year that the Royals had the entire infield at the All-Star game, Tyler yes. was also confused <laughs> while voting. When he's voting for the Major League All-Star game. They let you vote as votes. many times as you want. <laughs> that, is, that is the funny part about the Major League All-Star game. 
is that you can just keep voting. Oh, just it's keep like, voting. And the best part is you can just type into Google, like, all-star game vote, yeah. and it pops up a ballot without going yes, to a exactly. website. You don't even have to click on you anything. Vote off Google's yeah. search it's page. It's like, oh, I guess that works out pretty well. All right, we definitely do not have enough time to get into whatever Golden Knights thing we were going to get into. So instead, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Dr. Green in Regulation, who follows us, he asked us if we wanted to sponsor a hole at a golf tournament for a charity, for the Little Miss Hannah Foundation. Yeah. Um, according to him, it's 100 bucks to sponsor a hole. If you're listening, Dr. Green in Regulation, I can't find where to do that on the website. Yeah, that's we, the thing. I, we want to found, do this. I have found where I can sign up to play golf. Yes. But I do not play golf. So I do not want to sign up to play in this golf tournament. I am down. We're down to sponsor the hole. Easily. I, just, I don't know where that I is. I mean, we have you seen it? Because I, I play poorly, but I don't even see the date for when I could play poorly. You know what I mean? It's like that's I wanted to click on it and donate. But then I also want to say, oh, what day is it? Like, is it a weekend? Might go out there. But that's the one thing, right? Am I wrong? This The one thing missing is, well, one, how do you sponsor a hole? But two, when this is. Um, do we have a date on it? I do not see a date on it. I see a time. 7 a.m. Oh, Saturday, September 11th. So coming up in two weeks. Oh, that's doable, isn't that? That's the day before the opener, the, the uh, NFL uh, season opener. Yes, goes 12th. Okay. yes, it is. Well, Dr. Green, uh, let us know how we can sponsor Hole because we're in. Yeah, yeah. like that, I, was, that was the biggest thing. Is we all agreed, yes, yes, and then we all came up real <laughs> short <laughs> trying to figure out how to do it. Yes. So it's for the uh, it's uh, littlemisshannah.org, the Little Miss Hannah Foundation. She was born, and at five months old, uh, she was diagnosed with, no idea how to pronounce this, neuropathic Gaucher's disease. Okay. Uh, so... An incredibly rare and life-limiting genetic right. metabolic disorder. So golf tournament, littlemisshannah.org is where it's at. So once we figure out how to actually sponsor we the We will whole, send the money along, and you can click as many times as you want. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll be doing. Dr. Green in regulation, let us know, and we'll get that figured out. All right, coming up next, Austin Gale joins the show. I think every player has to have physical contact and experience the hits they're going to take in a game before it becomes live, full speed, and regular season. And the reality of nature is the speed of the game increases from preseason to regular season to postseason. That's just what happens. For us to put a player on the field without preparing him either through practice or preseason games without contact, we're putting that player in danger and at a disservice. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. And Austin, all right, let's start with the Saints. Uh, I know a lot of people think Jameis Winston was the obvious choice, but should we be surprised at all that Sean Payton actually went away from his Taysom Hill project to start Jameis Winston? We should not be surprised in any way, shape, or form. Jameis Winston was always the best player to start in New Orleans, even as much as Sean Payton wants to make this feel like it was a competition. I think Jameis Winston obviously made his name you know, known for this starting job. I think Taysom Hill is better utilized in the role they've used him in. Special teams, leadership in the locker room, some tight end stuff. I think that's his role. I think the more interesting question is just how, what percentage of snaps does Taysom Hill come in at quarterback compared to what he did with Drew Brees? Because he came in at a decent amount, especially in high-leverage situations like short yardage and then red zone. Do they do that more now because you're not subbing out Drew Brees, you're subbing out Jameis Winston? I think that's the bigger question, but it's obvious. Jameis Winston should be the starter in New Orleans. That's a great point. The first thing I thought of is when he would come in, and, you know, look, Breeze was older. We got that. that we understood that. But I would assume Jameis Winston can do a lot of what Taysom Hill could do when he would come in for him. 
No, 100%. I mean, I do think that in the red zone and in short yarded situations, you're going to see a lot of these looks where Taysom Hill comes in under center because he obviously offers that threat as a runner. And when you are in those high leverage situations, you don't need to see Taysom Hill throw the football 40 yards down the field because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing anytime Taysom Hill has to throw the deep ball. Jameis, in between the 20s, is your guy, is the best quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I think when they get inside the 20s and when they go on third and fourth down, you're going to see Taysom Hill utilize a ton. Prior to Michael Thomas coming back, will Taysom Hill be top three on this team in targets? No. Gosh, I hope not. That would be <laughs> disgusting. I would rather feed targets to Latavius Murray. I mean, I, I, there, that better not happen. I do think that there's a lot of hype, obviously, surrounding the former undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, Marquez Callaway, after catching two contested dimes from Jameis Winston over Shaquille Griffin in that preseason game. But still, the receiving rooms, I would argue – one of the worst in football without Michael Thomas. I know Mar- Mar- Marcus Callaway has not proven yet that he's not a flash in the pan. And outside of that, there just isn't a lot of receiving talent on this team. I would expect, in my opinion, even though when you saw Drew Brees leave last year due to injury, that Alvin Kamara saw a drop in targets, I think you need to funnel more to Alvin Kar- Kamara. Play him in the slot. Play him out wide. Use him in every way, shape, and form to get him targets in the passing game. I hope, you have to hope, that Sean Payton leverages Alvin Kamara even more so as a receiver this upcoming season. You know, we've been going back and forth uh, guessing as to when Justin Fields will start for the first time, and we're all hoping it's the fifth week because they'll be here in Las Vegas. That would be kind of fun for us. Uh, tell us what you think there, and then just looking up at the television now, now is a good question. Will Cam start, and will he start the whole season if he's the guy? So can you take us through two scenarios, one with the Bears and one with the Patriots, and how you think these rookies are going to go? I honestly think to start with Chicago, I think it's more likely Andy Dalton plays a full season than Cam Newton plays a full season. And it's not because, you know, Justin Fields isn't a good quarterback and he's not ready. Yes, he hasn't played as well as Mac Jones, but I think the bigger issue is that Chicago's offensive line is legitimately a bottom three, bottom five unit at best in the NFL, especially with Tevin Jenkins now on the shelf with back surgery. This is a concerning offensive line. And Justin Fields, one of the biggest concerns with him is he converts pressures to sacks at one of the highest rates in college football last year, and he holds on to the football. Yes, it was a downfield passing offense. I understand Ohio State has a vertical passing game that needs to let routes develop, but still, even through the preseason, he has the highest average time to throw of any quarterback with at least 20 dropbacks this preseason. He is going to be a guy who takes a lot of hits. And even though he has that athleticism to escape the pocket, you don't want your rookie quarterback developing bad habits like bailing out of clean pockets, trying to do too much, putting on this superhero cape, and getting himself hurt. Don't start Justin Fields until the supporting cast can actually support him. As for Mac Jones, you know the Patriots beat feels like he's going to start week one, especially now that there's some frustration building with Cam Newton on COVID protocol, Mac Jones taking over in practice, and he's been by far the most impressive rookie quarterback this, uh, so far this preseason. He's been anticipatory with his throws, accurate with his throws. He and Zach Wilson have performed well above expectation for rookies. I think Mac Jones could be the week one starter. What is more likely we get 15 years of Belichick and Mac Jones, similar to Brady and Belichick or Jordan love as the next in the line of Favre, Rogers and great Packer quarterbacks. I think, I, I think you want me to lean one direction, but I might go the opposite. I think Jordan love, I don't know really? how much longer Bill Belichick coaches. Like okay. if Bill Belichick coaches for another 15 years, I'd be absolutely floored. I don't know if he's going to you know, hang around for that much longer. I think Jordan love, has looked good this preseason. I know he's been kind of the butt end of a joke after not playing all of last year and potentially being the reason that Aaron Rodgers was frustrated, but he looks good. Good arm talent. If he can stay healthy and be smart with the football, he has the tools to be a good quarterback. It's why he was drafted in the first round. I do think that Jordan Love is next in line in Green Bay. Of course, hitting three quarterbacks in a row, Far Rodgers, Love. 
that feels like low odds, but still, I think he has looked good in this preseason, and early signs are good. I want to ask you something about Corey Littleton here in Las Vegas, and I, I was it was interesting. You guys had great stat. In 2019, he missed one tackle in over 1,000 snaps. Last year, he missed 11 through five games. We know he did not have a good year. He was certainly not the player they signed three years for $36 million. When you look at numbers and stats and, and people who have been so good at what they've done in one realm and then been really bad, what's the percentage he bounces back? Like if, when you look at numbers across a guy's career, are you are you more apt to believe Corey Littleton will be a really good player this year or will he continue to, to digress? I'm actually glad you brought this up. I've been meaning to talk about this Corey Littleton situation for a while, especially after now they've traded for Denzel Perriman after the Nicholas Moore and Javin White injuries. Corey Littleton was absolutely lost in that Paul Gunther defense, going from Los Angeles to Las Vegas with a COVID-impacted offseason where it was installed over Zoom, he was lost. And that led to a handful of errors in addition to an increase in missed tackles. Now, it's been a gross incompetence of resources investing this much money in Corey Littleton and then still chasing other starters. If Morrow was healthy, Bruden was going to start Morrow over Littleton. That's, that's where he was thinking. That's where the Raiders were. So I do think that Littleton needs confidence. He needs in himself, and he needs confidence from this coaching staff to actually play this football game and, and play at a high level. I know you don't know the answer to this because the whole NFL doesn't know the answer to this, but why have John Gruden and Mike Mayock been so bad at either evaluating talent or actually plugging the talent in that they sign or draft and having it be successful here? So I'd argue this. I don't think Mike Mayock or John Gruden, whoever's pulling the trigger here, I think the assumption that it is Gruden, but let's throw them both into the mix. I don't think they're bad at evaluating talent. They are bad at evaluating consensus opinion and factoring that into their decision-making into the draft. So Colt Miller was not projected where he was supposed to go. Did they hit on that player? Yes. Alex Leatherwood, not projected where he went with the Raiders, but they picked him anyway. Cleveland Furl, Damon Arnett, they are consistently reaching on players because they want, a.k.a. their guys. You can play that game, but the game you're in right now is to go versus the consensus and try and hit value in the draft. You chase value, not talent in the draft. You need to chase value, and you haven't seen that from the Raiders. Maybe they, maybe Alex Leatherwood is good, but all signs point to him being available a little bit of ways later. Like all signs point to that. You have to play the game better, in my opinion. You have to factor in outside resources to make your decisions in the draft. And if you only stick to your board, don't look at anything else, you're going to end up overdrafting because you're not looking at where the consensus lies. Uh, none of these guys have played in the preseason, which is probably a good thing. I don't think they'll play Sunday. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I don't think the Joker's been in the game. I don't think Kenyon Great, the <laughs> Joker, no. Joker has not been on a snap. Especially the young wide receivers, though. Uh, they have to be better. They certainly weren't great last year. Edwards had some issues injury-wise. Do you expect a huge jump? Like, when you see rookie wide receivers who struggle in their first years, and let's just assume they're healthy this year, and I think Renfro's been a very nice player for them. Obviously, he wasn't a rookie last year. Where do you see these young receivers for the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I think the Joker has been there in spirit, my guys. <laughs> and the Joker is everywhere. He plays in every single position and on and off the field. But for the young receivers in Las Vegas, I do feel I have a lot of confidence in Henry Ruggs taking a step forward. And even Brian Edwards, the next coming of Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, probably <laughs> does take a step forward this year as well, where I think obviously it all comes down to how big of a step forward do they take. There are a lot of concerns with Henry Ruggs' ability to handle contact and be efficient with his routes this past season. There was a lot of concerns with Brian Edwards even trying to find a target last year despite having an all-world training camp as a rookie. So I do think that enough of the hype. Let's see them create separation. Let's see them get funnel targets in this offense. I think you have to give them opportunities. You know, Henry Ruggs was not a deep threat at Alabama. I'll say it again. Henry Ruggs was not a deep threat at Alabama. So much of his work was underneath and taking things after the catch. 
they did not use him that way. Very few screens in that game, very few, very few crossers. He was consistently targeted down the football field. You need to get him the football near the line of scrimmage and let him work after the catch. As for Brian Edwards, I felt he was a contested catch guy at South Carolina. I feel like he's a contested catch guy in the NFL. I don't see him creating consistent separation in the NFL, but we'll see. I think I have more, other people have more faith in him than I do, but we'll see. Obviously, he has to take this step forward. How many games did the Broncos win with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback? I honestly think their their ceiling is probably nine wins. Their floor is probably seven. And that's that's literally been Teddy Bridgewater's entire career. You, as a rookie, he earned a 76.5 PFF grade, the highest of his career, and has never come close to that. He's never had a big-time throw weight over 3.4%. He's never had an average depth of target of more than eight yards in a single season. He is a conservative quarterback with a high floor and a low ceiling. And guess where that gets you? Picking in between 8 and 14 in the 2022 NFL draft and avoiding Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, to make an upgrade at the quarterback position. How many games did the Raiders win with Nathan Peterman at their quarterback? No, that's not going to happen. Well, who knows if Mariota continues to be hurt, and he's number two. We talked about another uh, AFC West quarterback yesterday, and that's Justin Herbert. A lot of people, most people have them finishing second uh, to Kansas City, but the kind of caveat to that is, okay, will Justin Herbert continue to you know his trajectory to develop? Do you believe he will? I think so. I think they've done such a good job, one, bringing in a very talented coach in Brandon Staley. From every report I've heard, he's been on the Chris Collinsworth podcast here at PFF, and everything you're hearing from the players, he's been awesome. A slam dunk hire for the Los Angeles Chargers, and then you factor in they improve the offensive line, making Corey Lindsley the highest-paid center before the Frank Naragno contract. I think they've done enough to build around Justin Herbert to even handle potentially some regression in the red zone, some regression under pressure, because he was one of, he was otherworldly last year in some of those volatile areas of play. I think he improves in some of the stable areas, regresses in some of the others, and his supporting cast takes a step forward, especially with the addition of Josh Palmer, a guy that we've raved about a ton here at PFF that's already having a ton of success. All right, I'm going to give you a college football question here. I'm going to do this, like, first take style. I'm going to give you somebody else's hot take and have you respond with your own hot take. Uh, Robert Griffin III, who now works for ESPN, he picked Ole Miss's quarterback Matt Corral to win the Heisman Trophy this season. In my opinion, is not absurd. Oh, I, I do think that oh, I do, Tyler's I, I team. Do, I, I, Whoa! I, I will say, I will say, the favorites right now: Spencer Rattler, DJ Ungalele, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. That's fine. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young have played less than fifty dropbacks combined. DJ Ungalele only played two hundred last year. I do like Spencer Rattler as the favorite. That makes sense. Why he's the betting favorite now? You look at Matt Corral, who has a year in that Lane Kiffin system. He played super well for this offense, and he's going to put up numbers. I just don't know if the Ole Miss wins enough big football games, has enough quote unquote Heisman moments for Corral to overcome some of these other guys that will be consistently in the college football playoff hunt, like Spencer Rattler, DJ Ungalele, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. All four of those quarterbacks. All four of those teams are favorited to go to the playoffs. It's an easy game. That's why they're favorited right now to win the Heisman. Do we just assume because it's just has happened so often now that Bryce Young is going to be great because of who he plays for? It's, it's a dangerous game. Right now they're 18-point favorites against Garrett King, who has probably the most college football snaps in the Power Five of anyone. He's played a lot of college football. So you're going against a very experienced, high-end quarterback who ranked inside the top ten in PFF grade this past year for Miami. 18-point favorites. On the road, in Miami, this is going to be an interesting game. Bryce Young has not taken a snap. Obviously, Alabama reloads. Their defense is going to be otherworldly, and that sets them up for a high floor. But, man, if Bryce Young doesn't live up to even 70% of the expectations, this is going to be a different Alabama offense. It's also one that is reloading at wide receiver. Yes, John Mechie is good, but still there's some other players there that need to develop to hit rugs, waddle levels. The defense is the only thing I'm 100% confident in being great offensively. This might look more like some of the you know offenses early on with McCarron and, and some of those other you know, quarterbacks that haven't gotten off the NFL and had success. 
Well, he is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Matt Corral, Heisman Trophy winner from Ole Miss. That was fun where he said it's not completely crazy. Well, aren't there guys each year that someone's going to step up that are not among the favorites? Well, or someone's going he's to. He's going to like be one, two, three in passing yards in college football this year. That's, I'd be confident saying that. But as Austin said, they're losing to like Vanderbilt. Like they're going to, they're going to have something where they're like, okay, what was that? Even if Ole Miss was great. They'd find a way to lose to Vanderbilt and knock themselves out of the college football. This playoff. dude's winning the Heisman, and the, the Robert Griffin III is going to get like a 10-year extension. Like, boy, <laughs> where's this guy been the entire time? Why wouldn't we have him? All right, coming up next. Oh, the soccer world is on fire this morning. It's frustrating. It's challenging. Uh, however you want to say it, you know, I can't make the decision for him. There's league rules, and there's my rules. They ain't going anywhere. We're going the same as last year. I don't give a crap if they're vaccinated or not. They ain't going anywhere. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Oh, soccer world is great, Ed. So the transfer window closes at the end of this month on August 31st. So we still have about four days here. But two massive stories this morning. First off, it sounds like PSG is going to accept the bid from Real Madrid to sell Kylian Mbappe, one of the whatever number five best players in the world. Who's like 22 years old, really good. It sounds like they're going to accept uh it would be the equivalent of about $213 million. Uh, for so they what split the middle came in. One was, yeah, one was it was like 180 versus 250 right. yeah. or something like that was the reported first offer and what PSG actually right. wanted. So it sounds like, and again, as I said yesterday, I get very confused with European soccer reporting because there's a hundred different reporters from 15 different countries and you don't actually know which ones are legitimate, but it sounds like this morning, Kylian Mbappe will end up playing for Real Madrid. But the bigger story is that Cristiano Ronaldo, first off, it doesn't sound like he's playing for Juventus anymore because Juventus has a game tomorrow and Cristiano Ronaldo got on his own private jet and just left Italy. You know what I like to call that? Out of pocket. <laughs> he's traveling and he's out of pocket. Just got on his own jet and left. They have a game tomorrow and he just and he said, just left. I'm leaving. Manchester City was the team that was reportedly, as of yesterday, uh, potentially going to sign Ronaldo. Manchester City has now backed out. And Manchester United might be the team that ends up signing Cristiano Ronaldo. He already played for Manchester United way back when he was much younger. Um, so he would be coming back to Manchester United. But this is it, unbelievable that one one of the greatest players to ever play professional soccer. At this time yesterday, it was assumed he was going to end up playing for Manchester City. 24 hours later, it now looks like he's playing for their biggest in-city rival. So Juventus wants a fee of $28 million, but you also have to pick up this guy's contract, which who yes. in the world knows what this guy it's makes. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It it's just in, he probably makes a lot, given he's now in the air on his own jet. Yes, but it's going to be, but that's, it's going to be whatever, the 28 to $30 million is all this is going to cost uh, Manchester United as far as a transfer fee that's an easy, easy check to write. Right. The only issue you're concerned with is how much is his actual contract right. versus what they can afford. But that, at the end of the day, is probably insignificant because you're bringing back Ronaldo. It's going to be one of the biggest additions Stories, you've right. ever had. 
And doesn't he want to get paid in crypto, or is that someone that's messy? No, oh, that's messy. Okay, because oh, yeah. I was gonna say we could just get him fake horses. That's I was gonna say it would Tyler's greatest uh, dream be that for some reason one of these forty-two reporters say that in their free time Ronaldo, Messi, and uh, Mbappe all have uh, fake chickens. <laughs> in fact. My guess is Messi's the one who spent seven hundred fifty thousand dollars oh, on the fake chickens. Oh, this guy! So the guy who spent seven hundred sixteen thousand dollars on fake chickens, he bought another chicken yesterday, a single chicken for sixty eight thousand dollars. Okay, something's going on here. Sixty eight thousand. This might be messy. He bought, and so this was like, this is like the projected best chicken in the game. Like he has the best stats of any of the chickens that have been made. Again, for those of you that don't know. I own some NFT chickens oh, that are going to race each other at some point in the future, but they can't race yet. So we don't actually know if these chickens are that good or not. The people who invented this thing are sitting in some mansion laughing there. You know what's <laughs> off? Like, look at all these nut jobs who just continue to pour money into our bank account. It's so great. Oh. But here, okay. But here's the, here's the key part here. On these chickens, right? The way they were first distributed to people, you bought them from the creators of the chicken. Right. And the way they did it is you could buy it you could buy chickens from the creators for about $113 a chicken was about how much it cost. And you would get a random chicken. You had no idea what his stats were gonna be or what he would look like. So somebody bought this chicken for $113 and, about and two months ago. Flipped it and sold it for sixty-eight thousand dollars yesterday. Wow. Okay, but it, but after he bought the he or she bought the chicken, the stats came out. Yeah, as soon as you buy it, you, you, get, you, you see your chicken. You see if your chicken's you see any what the good. Stats are yes, but one hundred and thirteen dollars <sighs> sold it for sixty eight thousand dollars. Making yesterday. some money on your investment. Not me. <laughs>